When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is ESPN Radio. Athletes, they're just like us. They want to get paid. They want to be valued for what they do. And if you're a running back in today's NFL, it's harder to get those things accomplished. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson with you on ESPN Radio this morning. Happy Monday. We're entering the second week that everybody's in camp across the NFL. I'm jetting out over to Bears camp after we get off air here in a couple of hours. Do you have your sunscreen ready? I okay. I did my did the skincare at five a.m. See, you're used to this early morning show grind. When I do my show, best week ever on Sunday mornings on ESPN Radio. There's no camera element, so none of this. If you're watching us on ESPNU, Amber always looks great and put together in the morning. I do not, so I didn't put the SPF on. <laughs> After I did my skincare, that's going to go on later. But training camp brings out the absolute worst in me because I think I'm invincible to the sun most days where I don't walk out there with a hat, which is complete amateur hour because this is my eighth season doing this. So I should know better. I should be better equipped for all of this. I mean, you're in South Florida, though, so you get this. You well, in Florida, well, yeah, like in Florida, it's a problem quite literally 365 days a year, right? So in Florida, there's never a day that I don't walk outside with some sunscreen <laughs> on my face. And 99% of the time, I also have a hat on. In Florida, this time of year, it is of the utmost importance. If I lived in Chicago where you lived, I would probably also be a lock for forgetting yeah. the sun protection because it's not always an issue there. So I I could see how you could make that mistake. Yeah. What is an issue across the NFL right now is the running back market and what's going on in Indianapolis, a tenuous situation that overnight seemed to get a little bit ride down the slippery slope that we don't know what's going to happen with Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to update you on this. We're going to get into all of Jim Irsay's comments. We're going to want you to weigh in triple eight, say ESPN eight, 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 seven, two, nine, three, seven, seven, six. So going back to last week, before the war of words began between Colts owner Jim Irsay and the agent that represents Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, according to Stephen Holder, who covers the Indianapolis Colts for ESPN's NFL Nation, reported that Jonathan Taylor had requested a trade before any of this had gone down. Now we fast forward to this weekend where Colts owner Jim Irsay met with the media and put it out there that he was not going to pay Jonathan Taylor what he's worth. There's no big contract extension coming. There's no trade that he is willing to execute. They were not going to trade Jonathan Taylor now or come the deadline. And overnight, Jonathan Taylor responded to reports out there that the Colts are toying with the idea of putting him on the non-football injury list that he reportedly showed up for his physical at the time in which he was starting training camp on the pup list, recovering from the ankle injury that cost him last season after his record-setting 2021 campaign, that there's this idea that he might be dealing with some back injury that was not related to football practice, and if the Colts end up putting him on the NFI, he would not get paid. So it's a tricky situation that's gotten even worse overnight. Let's hear from Jim Ursay first. I want you to react to this, Amber. Jim Ursay, the Colts owner on Jonathan Taylor wanting to be traded. 
I mean, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. I mean, you know, we know that. The national football rolls on. It doesn't matter, you know, who who comes and who goes. Uh, you know, and, and it's a privilege to be part of it. And now is the time, you know, for us to do our work. It's now is the time as an organization and, um, you know, players that are, you know, 24, 25 years old. Now is the time to seize the moment of greatness. To me, that screams be quiet and play the position that you are paid to do when you're physically able to come back off of pup list. This is Jim Irsay, notwithstanding you know any sort of insane offer that comes in, drawing a line in the sand saying, Jonathan Taylor, like put up or shut up at this point. And whether you agree with that or not, the owner at the end of the day has the final say on every sort of transaction that goes through and whether the team would even entertain the idea of trading Jonathan Taylor. I'm just not sure what the NFL still rolling on with or without the Jonathan Taylors of the world has anything to do with Jonathan Taylor getting paid. Because if we're talking about the NFL as a huge machine, then sure, Ursay's right. The NFL will continue on without Patrick bleeping Mahomes, right? I mean, what are we talking about? But that doesn't mean that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be as successful without Patrick Mahomes at the helm. And that is the point of Jonathan Taylor is that, hey, I am so important to this offense that I deserve as I enter my last year of my four-year deal here to get paid and to get an extension because I'm putting my body on the line for this team. And that's certainly been the argument of these running backs all around the league this offseason. The reality is, though... Jim Irsay, he can franchise him after this season. Once he plays out the final year of his deal, he can franchise him again after that. And this is the problem that we keep seeing these running backs run into. So Jonathan Taylor has requested a trade, Courtney. The Colts are, it seemed like they're saying no. And also, by the way, tanking his trade value. Because now who wants to trade assets for a one-year rental when he might have a back problem in addition to the injury problems that we already knew about coming off of this past season. So there's not going to be a trade market. He's not getting traded. And if Jim Irsay doesn't want to, he's probably not getting paid. And it's going to cost him a lot of money if he doesn't show up and play for the Colts. But this is another situation with a running back that could mean so much to that team because not only are we talking about one of the very best backs in the league 2021 numbers when he wasn't injured were out of control over 1800 yards but also a rookie quarterback coming and you and I both discussed it earlier in the show if you miss anything here you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN app but we both discussed how important Jonathan Taylor in the backfield could be to the development of Anthony Richardson and they the the idea that they're going to move on from a running back who they traded up for in 2020. He burst onto the scene his rookie year, 1,169 yards, 11 touchdowns. He's been averaging over 5.1 yards per carry his entire career. Like, this is a considerable piece of your offense that you're willing to take away to prove a point. When Anthony Richardson, who's supposed to be your franchise quarterback because you struck out pretty big last year with the Matt Ryan deal, and then before that with Carson Wentz, don't you want to get it right at the quarterback position? Don't you want to put your quarterback in the best position to succeed? It's tricky, and I know the Colts are trying to play hardball here, and I find it 
you know, what, what, what Jonathan Taylor's alleging is that the Colts are lying about the NFI thing. And then I think you can teeter into where the NFLPA has to get involved, where mm-hmm. there might be HIPAA violations about what was reported and what was leaked out to media sources, including our own Stephen Holder, who covers the Colts for ESPN.com, that this back injury that came up, Jonathan Taylor saying he never reported that, he never said that, if the Colts are allegedly making up an injury, you are teetering into something that we haven't, you know, publicly seen play out in a way which could end up being very, very tenuous. But what his market is right now, like a couple things they think you have to like consider here. So Jim Mersey telling Stephen Holder, telling other reporters on Saturday after his after his press conference, this was later at night when the trade request became public, even though, as Stephen Holder reported, I'm going to keep going back to his reporting because he's our Colts reporter, that this happened before the War of Words started last week. You know, if Jim Ursay gets a deal he can't refuse for Jonathan Taylor, he's not going to refuse it. He's not going to just keep him on out of spite. But the relationship between these two parties has crumbled in a way. They have no intention of giving him the extension and franchising him next year only makes this situation worse than what it is right now. If you're a team, Amber, wanting to trade for Jonathan Taylor and you view him as a one-year rental, You're just inheriting the problem that the Indianapolis Colts have right now with a running back coming off injury who wants to get paid that you'd be having to deal with next season. And if you trade for him and extend him, you're not going to want to give up a high draft pick to do that. So I think this is a situation, at least right now with all those things I just laid out, that ends up with Jonathan Taylor staying on the Colts because I don't think another team wants to bring this sort of problem into their building knowing the resources it would have to give up to get a player like Jonathan Taylor after Jim Ursay made the stance that they don't want to trade him and then having to pay this running back regardless in a year. Well, and they're not going to get an assets, the assets in return, even for a team that's taking Jonathan Taylor on a one-year rental. And then we're talking about a pass-happy league, which is one of the reasons, again, that we're in this situation to begin with, with running backs, where you don't need this elite running back in order to win a Super Bowl. So who is that team that is just a Jonathan Taylor away from actually winning a Super Bowl, right? I don't know if that team exists where they would be willing, because of that, to give up real assets here for a one-year rental on a $4 million deal in his final year here for Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor feels like he's not in a very good position here in terms of negotiations, which again is something that we've been seeing as a theme at that running back position. So this is a situation that has gotten ugly. I don't know if it's a situation that I see being resolved in a very easy way here, Courtney, because Also, from Jim Ursay's perspective, you're talking about a four-win team. So why are you going to go ahead and hamstring yourself with overpaying Jonathan Taylor, even if you think Jonathan Taylor is great? And maybe it's not an overpay in terms of his production, but just in terms of that actual position, even if you still think Jonathan Taylor can be the very best back in in the entire NFL. And he's important to the development of Anthony Richardson, but what is he going to win you here? A few more games? Like, we're not talking about a Super Bowl contending team, and I would imagine that's part of the problem from the germ RSA perspective. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance along with Amber Wilson. I'm Courtney Cronin. We want you to weigh in. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Donnie 
in Tampa, joining the conversation on running backs, a situation that the Indianapolis Colts find themselves in with Jonathan Taylor, has tentacles across the league and expands to pretty much every team that finds itself in the situation of trying to pay running backs or not do it. Donnie, what do you got for us this morning? Good morning. I appreciate you guys taking my call. Um, I live in Tampa, but I'm, I'm from Cincinnati, so I'm a Bengals fan. But I think the the running back situation is very difficult for um, the specific running back group right now because everybody everybody's offense is different. And if you look at how running backs are used right now, I, I think it's going to be really hard um, to see people getting contracts like Christian McCaffrey um, going forward just because the owners have kind of decided that they can just get people later on in the draft. And it's essentially a plug-and-play situation right now. Donnie, thanks so much for the call. And you brought up something that I've been wanting to comment on for a while, and it's Christian McCaffrey being that outlier, Amber. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things people need to know here because there's this idea that somebody somewhere is as talented and as good as Christian McCaffrey and will one day get that deal. When he signed the contract that pays him $16 million a year back in 2020, Carolina didn't have to pay a quarterback. Carolina mm-hmm. was already in a situation where it had paid Cam Newton. We knew how that thing ended up turning out. They did not have financial burdens locked up in arguably the most important position in sports. So they could offer that sort of deal to Christian McCaffrey. Then when he gets traded to San Francisco, I remember there was this idea that he would end up having to take a pay cut. He would end up having to you know, fork over some of those finances that he rightfully earned with the Carolina Panthers. And there's a couple of reasons why that has not happened. Number one, San Francisco 49ers have not had to pay a quarterback. They drafted Trey Lance. He was hurt last year. They didn't have to pay Jimmy Garoppolo. That's first and foremost. On top of that, Kyle Shanahan and the McCaffreys go back a long way. John Lynch, general manager, played with Ed McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's dad. The relationship between those two families, the team, the people who make decisions with the team and the McCaffreys, that's well understood and well documented. There were a number of different reasons here, if you can just read between the lines with me, of why San Francisco was never going to make Christian McCaffrey and is never going to make Christian McCaffrey take a pay cut. He is the anomaly. He is the outlier. A deal like that will never be seen again at the running back position. You heard it here first, but probably not just from Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin. Christian McCaffrey is a terrific player. There's others just like him, but those sorts of deals will not be struck again because of the way that the running back position has been devalued across the NFL. Straight ahead here on ESPN Radio, your calls on the running back situation across the NFL. If you've got solutions for how this thing could end up playing out where running backs end up getting paid, please let us know. Plus, Aaron Rodgers wants you to keep his coach's name out of your mouth. That's next, ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is ESPN Radio. Sean Payton doing a whole lot of walking it back after the comments he directed towards Nathaniel Hackett circulated last week. Some harsh words for the former Broncos coach in the coaching job that manifested itself in him getting fired about 13 weeks into the season in 2022. Sean Payton then taking over the helm of a team that has to get Russ back on track. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson, sort of mostly on track this morning here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I think we've done a tremendous job, if I do say so myself. You're so used to the morning show grind. I'm just trying to make sure I'm driving the bus and you know staying within the lines here. But You're somebody- doing a great job. You're also, it's an hour earlier for it you. Is. So central when you started, no joke. yeah, central time, it's real. It's real here. So <laughs> you started at 5 a.m. and you were uh, uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed, as they say, as we try to, to be uh, Aaron Rodgers, not happy with what happened from Denver's perspective and the comments that were made about his best friend, his savior, <laughs> the love of his life, Nathaniel <laughs> Hackett. You got to hear this. This was Aaron Rodgers over the weekend at an NFL Plus exclusive interview talking about the comments that really got him in a tizzy. Those comments were very surprising. Um, to, for a coach to do that to another coach, my love for Hack goes deep. You know, we had uh, some great years together in Green Bay. Kept in touch. Um, love him and his family. He's an incredible family man, incredible dad. And on the field, you know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun, uh, how he cares about the guys, uh, just how he goes about his business with respect, with leadership, with honesty, with integrity. And... It made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. I thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. <laughs> so Aaron Rodgers must not have heard like, or must not have read the USA Today story because nowhere in there when he's defending Nathaniel Hackett as a great father, as a great husband, as a great upstanding member of society, more or less, like Sean Payton wasn't taking shots at him as a person. He was taking shots at the fact that this team was 29th in the NFL in pre-snap penalties that ahead of that widely televised game on Monday Night Football against the Seattle Seahawks. They couldn't get a play-in in time, and that happened again and again, and they ended up having to hire somebody to oversee 
like the game management aspect. All of those things are true, Amber. I mean, the message was harsh in its delivery, but it's not like Nathaniel Hackett, or rather, not like Sean Payton said anything about Nathaniel Hackett as a coach last year with the Denver Broncos. He didn't say going back to the time in Green Bay and that he's just like the worst coach in the NFL. He said that last year was one of the worst coaching jobs he's ever seen, and I don't think anyone would argue with that. I, Aaron Rodgers can't even argue with that. It, it's so true. I mean, he insulted the job that he did as a coach in a singular season as head coach for the Denver Broncos. And there is no way to argue otherwise. The Denver Broncos were a team that was wildly disappointing last season, a five-win team that finished dead last in their division with a future Hall of Fame quarterback at the helm who seemed to, at 33 years old, quite literally fall off a cliff in a way that we have never seen before in in NFL history, Courtney. So, of course, it was a bad coaching job last season. By all accounts, it was a bad coaching job last season. Aaron Rodgers knows it was a bad coaching job last season, which is why Aaron went on the whole, he's a good person, he's a good father, he's one of my favorite people. Like, all right, that's all well and good. You can still go ahead and criticize what the man did in Denver last season, and that's what Sean Payton's comments did. Everybody has their panties in a bunch about those comments (laughs) from Payton, and frankly, it's a bit ridiculous. We all have the same thoughts about the job that Nathaniel Hackett did last season. Sean Payton just had the goal to say it out loud, which is something that doesn't normally happen in that fraternity. I think he made matters worse by backtracking because if you're going to say something, stand by it. Don't use the whole excuse. Oh, I had my Fox hat on and I was still in the broadcaster seat. Good excuse, though, by the way. I mean, not one that I buy, but good excuse. (laughs) The amount of text, and I think about myself as an NFL reporter and the relationships I've cultivated with coaches across the league and teams that I cover and teams that I don't. Hearing the unfiltered real real from coaches when they want to really tell you what's going on in buildings and how they feel the performance of their colleagues and people they work with and people they don't, how they really feel about that. It's so sugar-coated compared to... That's unfiltered and real. Everything you see in press conferences, you'll never hear another coach more times than not do what Sean Payton did. And that's why Sean Payton would make these comments in a in an interview that's between one journalist and himself with a recorder there, no cameras, no podium, no press conference. Like, if you asked Sean Payton these same questions in a podium-style setting at training camp, you're not getting anything close to what you got in this USA Today article, which is why I feel like him walking these comments back actually did him more harm than good because I didn't hear I'm sorry and I take back what I said about Nathaniel Hackett. All I heard was my delivery was a little rough around the edges. Don't we all want more of this? I mean, don't we all get nauseated by the the coach speak? There's so much coach speak. And what does it even amount to? It, it It's all such nonsense and cliches. And even when Robert Sala went back at Sean Payton's comments, he threw like 35 cliches into the mix, including making up things. Because I don't think the whole, if you don't, ain't got pay- haters, it, you ain't popping or whatever. Like, that's not actually a saying, Robert Sala. But okay, apparently oh, it is. it's one it that is. you live it's from by. A song. Uh, is it? Yeah. The, if you ain't got haters. Who sings that? You ain't popping. You ain't got no haters. You ain't popping. Yeah, it's a song. I think it's a song. I, I'm, is I'm it? A, yeah, I'm gonna search it for you. Okay, you search it for me. Uh, Yates uh, failing at his job here uh, as the encyclopedia of music and one who follows Drake all across the country. But the point is that in that 
whole response there from Robert Sala and people within the league were applauding it, right? Like people who had been former coaches and, and former players who are on our airwaves that don't like that Sean Payton had this level of transparency. They also simultaneously liked the response from Robert Sala. Ah, oh, he did a good job. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did a good job. He threw 35 cliches at us that, that amount to nothing and mean a whole lot of nothing. And I'm, I'm so tired of that in the NFL. What's wrong with a little transparency? Let's have a little fun. This thing ain't life or death. Like, let's go ahead and have some rivalries and have some fun with it. And there's nothing you can do to convince me that week five, when these two teams face each other, is going to be so much more tremendously fun than it would have been just a few weeks ago. Rico Ritchie's poppin' is going to get a lot of play. There you go. That's going to get a ton of play going into right. well, that week five game. I can't wait for it. We're here for it. We're here for all the beef, too. Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin. The modern Robert Sala lives the by. war of words here between coaches across the Are you popping, Courtney? Oh, I'm popping. If you ain't got no... We got haters all over the place. You and I oh, on Twitter. This, we get backhanded business, compliments all the time. Popping, like baby. We are the epitome of you ain't got no haters. You ain't popping. <laughs> all right. We're out of here for now on the Aaron Rodgers stuff. But moving back into baseball, will the Mets fire sale continue? We're going to talk with an expert next here on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is ESPN Radio. It's not a rebuild. It's not a fire sale. It's not a liquidation. This is just a repurposing of, you know, Steve's investment in the club. The focus may be even more on 2025 and 26 now than it is 2024. The Rangers are in a playoff push, so they just acquired another ace in Max Scherzer, and I'm not quite sure what the Mets are in the midst of doing after investing $340 million in this absurd payroll. This is ESPN Radio this morning. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Pleased to welcome in ESPN Major League Baseball insider Tim Kirchin to help us make a little bit of sense of this trade. So, Tim, we start off the top. Your reaction to the drama that's going on with the Mets, especially after that Saturday night news bump uh, with Max Scherzer going to the Rangers. Yeah, this is the Mets. I hate to say it's, just, it's they're trying to repurpose. They're trying to redo this team, but do it slowly. And they're not doing it necessarily for next year, but beyond. The kid they got, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s younger brother, 
for Max Scherzer might end up being the best prospect that they have because their system is not exactly stocked. So they say even though they spent a lot of money to get rid of Max Scherzer, they still saved a lot of money long-term with him. And now they have to find another another way to make this team better for next year because clearly this year did not work. And they look at the Braves and say, we're not even close to being as good as the Braves, so how are we going to get there? So they're going to try another way in the offseason, whether it's with Shohei Otani or somebody else, in order to rebuild this team. But, you know, they, they really helped the Rangers who needed starting pitching, but the Mets look at it like – we save some money. We'll use that money to rebuild the team. And it's a very interesting spot they're in, especially with Justin Verlander still sitting there. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about here, Tim, because apparently a repurposing, not a fire sale, but does that repurposing include a player who has a no trade clause, but after the max deal, Justin Verlander didn't sound totally unwilling to waive his no trade clause there in New York? Yes, and I wouldn't be shocked if Verlander were to move before 6 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. I mean, the Astros, the Dodgers, a bunch of teams could really use him because, you know, his last 42 innings, he's only given up six runs. He's pitched exceptionally well lately, and teams could use him. The problem is there is a lot of money tied up in Verlander's contract, including a clause that could kick in for $35 million for 2025. So any team that acquires him has to be ready to pay an enormous amount to a pitcher in his 40s. So my guess is, guess is for the moment that Verlander's not going to move, but anything is possible at the trade deadline because they're, he's, he's going to be the best starting pitcher available if indeed he is available. Tim Kirchin, ESPN Major League Baseball insider, joins Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson here on ESPN Radio. I remember a couple weeks ago when Steve Cohen had an impromptu press conference ahead of a game and was discussing kind of the state of affairs of this franchise and having to reevaluate things after the trade deadline. Given where they started and the expectations for the Mets this year, do you see Billy Epler and Buck Showalter keeping their jobs beyond this season? Um, at this point, it's unclear. Uh, I think we have to see how these next two months go. I think we have to see what's going to happen with the trade deadline, and that will clear up the direction in which they're headed. Um, Steve Cohen is not the type that fires people uh you know, readily. And I would say at the moment, uh, both guys have a chance to lose their jobs at the end of the year, but I don't think that's a guarantee. I think we need to see what happens the next two months and then maybe they change the direction of the team. But uh, it's been such a disappointing season. Somebody's got to pay for that. And as always, it's not the players, it's the manager, the general manager and others. Tim Kirchin, ESPN MLB insider, joining Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin here on ESPN Radio. So Tim, Courtney mentioned that deadline tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern. Can I stop at this point talking about Shohei Otani? Like, are we, we're good, right? There's zero chance. The Angels are settled in. I don't even have to ask you about him at this point. Well, (laughs) at the trade deadline, there's never zero chance. Anything can happen. But I see about a 1% chance that they would trade Shohei Otani. I mean, last night they went and got Randall Grichuk 
and C.J. Crone in order to bolster the outfield, D.H., first base, and they did that. They're clearly trying to win a playoff spot. They're four games out of the wild card, the last wild card, and this, to me at least, is their only chance to keep Shohei Otani is to make the playoffs, do something in October, and convince him to stay. Now, the danger is if they don't make the playoffs and they've just traded two top prospects to get Lucas Giolito and more and more young players to get the two guys from last night and they and they lose Giolito to free agency and they lose Shohei to free agency. Now now with a you know a farm system that wasn't that great in the first place and now it's weaker uh, that's that's going to be a, a really difficult spot the Angels will be in for next year. But they're going for it. And, you know, we blast teams all the time for not going for it. I'm just not sure it's fair to blast the Angels for going for it, even though it's a very, very risky move. Tim, by 6.01 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow night, who will not have moved. Like, the name that we're looking at that's probably, like, teetering on the verge, like, opposite of Shohei, because I think the Angels have pretty much made the moves that lead you to believe they're not going to move him. What's the one name that's on the block right now that you do not anticipate actually finding a new home? Well, I think I think Verlander, who we've already spoken about, and the Cubs have made it clear they're not trading Cody Bellinger because he's the difference maker to me, for the Yankees and for several other teams, so many teams need another hitter in the middle of the order. But his batting average in July is over 400. His OPS since the All-Star break is way over 1,000. And he's a really good player again. And that's why the Cubs, who are four games out in the division and three and a half out in the wild card, they have to keep him. They have to keep Marcus Stroman. They have to try to win because they're the Cubs and you can't give up on a pennant race when you're the Cubs. So I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that we've done our big – all the big moves have been made and that tomorrow, I don't want to say it's going to be a dud because the final day of the trade deadline is never a dud, but I just don't see that many big names out there that are going to move because we've been told a lot of them aren't going anywhere, led by Shohei Otani. Cubs 53 and 52, four games back of the Reds in the NL Central. Looks like they are going to potentially try to push this thing through as they contend for that NL Central title. Tim Kirchin, ESPN Major League Baseball insider, here to break it all down with us on ESPN Radio. Tim, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time. My pleasure. Thank you. I want to break the fourth wall for you listeners here for a minute. Amber's been seeing me all flustered on the Zoom screen. I've been trying to hold it together when we're on camera. There is a fly flying around where I'm sitting right now doing this radio show. And I had about three chances to try to end this fly. <laughs> and I didn't want to knock over anything in my setup. I, he was on my hairbrush for a minute. I tried to slam the hairbrush down and, and shake him off of it. That did not work. He went onto my Celsius can. He went onto my computer screen. And I slapped the computer screen. Oh, no. I don't know where he went. And the thing went flying back. So fortunately, my computer's still working here. But the things we do to bring you quality radio on you, ESPN Radio. At what point, Courtney did write to me while Tim Kirchner was talking, did you 
you see the fl- the fly land on me? And it I landed said, no. on my head. I think but the, the, our computer. I think our I'm camera. I'm hoping TV, Jerry. If you have that, <laughs> we have to get that, and we have to run that back on ESPNU. Yes. I really hope they he caught may, it. He may or may not be efforting that. Okay. Oh. Okay. We'll find it. I, I I don't mind becoming a meme off something like that. I I, I I'm going to win this battle with the fly by the time the show's over. But um. He's still out there somewhere. I'll I mean, the fly it. has a decided advantage because you also can't make noise because we're, That's you know, the problem. on live like, I'm trying to be a professional here <laughs> and not be in a fight with, you know, a fly in the middle of radio. But if he comes back, I'm just warning you guys, if you hear some sort of scuffle, I see him right now on top of my ring light. He's testing me and my patience. When we break here, he might not be around much longer. So I'll let you guys know that when we come back. Uh, Straight ahead, with all that's hyped around the Mets right now, are they going to sell off more assets? Are they the biggest bust in recent sports history, considering all the assets they poured into this roster? We're going to get into that next here on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This is ESPN Radio. The Mets spent nearly $500 million this offseason. And just over 24 hours ahead of the MLB trade deadline on August 1st, they're already in the process of tearing it all apart. Is it the worst construction of a roster, the biggest failure, experiment, whatever you want to call it in sports? We want you to weigh in here on ESPN Radio this morning, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson presented by Progressive Insurance, and I remember a time when they were constructing this thing, when they brought in Max Scherzer, when they brought in Justin Verlander, and I'm looking at this payroll thinking, huh, $340 million for this year, three arms that are pretty much the only reliable ones that you have in the bullpen, not a well-constructed roster, and the way that Steve Cohen, Mets owner, who has been not shy at throwing money at any problem, thinking it's going to fix it, he had a dugout meeting with the media in June, and he called this season terrible. It's a failure of a season by any stretch if you're siphoning off assets at this point of the season. I don't think a lot of people are going to be back in the roles that they're currently in, general manager and the manager of this team. But 
when you look at the Mets in totality and what they did this year, can you come up with anybody else that takes the cake as the biggest failure in sports, Amber? I would say the saving grace here for the Mets, and I can only imagine what this feels like for the long-suffering Mets fan, and then you get an owner who's supposed to change everything, and he does in terms of putting his money where his mouth is, and it just doesn't pan out, even with the highest payroll in MLB history. But the saving grace here is that that guy is your owner, right? And he is proving to you that he ain't shy about spending, even if it doesn't work out initially, you have to imagine that he will repurpose. That's the company line right now that they're repurposing. He will repurpose Courtney and then, you know, try again and try again and try again. He's not worried about the luxury tax. He's not worried about spending money. And I always say that that's the best type of owner to have in sports if you are a fan. So I would think that although this is incredibly embarrassing and certainly one of the biggest failures in sports history, also, I still think the future is probably bright for that organization because I don't want to insult Steve Cohen for being a good owner, right? And actually spending money for his team. We frankly need more. I mean, the Oakland A's would love that right now, right? Like we need more of that in sports, not less. In terms of sports history with failures, I mean, the easy place to go in recent memory is the Brooklyn Nets, an epic failure when you're bringing guys together on a roster that the names on paper should be winning you championships. And that was a colossal failure there with the Nets. Uh, a lot of them I would stick in baseball. And I think with baseball, it's because of the payroll that you end up like the 90 or the 2004 Yankees had a $200 million payroll and can't get it done. The 2011 Boston Red Sox, that was the team that was supposed to be like the greatest team ever put together. And then they started that season 0 and 6 and then kind of got it together. But then of course, famously fell apart there at the end. The 98 Braves, I mean, Morgan Wallen just wrote an entire song about the 90 <laughs> 98 Braves from his childhood because he's still so brokenhearted as a man and I believe his upper 20s now because of what the 98 Braves did to him during his childhood. So a lot of the examples actually I think are in baseball. And they it shows you in baseball you don't have to necessarily throw the kitchen sink and every financial resource you have at a roster because it might not pan out. The top team in the American League right now is the Baltimore Orioles. They have a $69 million payroll. That's 29th in Major League Baseball of the 30 teams. That's insane. And we know that Tampa Bay Rays have been a team that does not want to spend a lot of money. They made it to a World Series a couple of years ago. It's not Spending big doesn't always equate to big results on the field. Now you'd like to believe that buying good players would lead you down that direction, and some team, probably not the Angels, is going to be very happy to do that with Shohei Otani next offseason. But as we know, with the Mets and their very expensive payroll, they throw money at problems, and they hope that it solves it. The Yankees have tried to do that as well, and look where they are. Triple eight, say ESPN. 888-729-3776. We want you to weigh in here on ESPN Radio. Is this a warning sign to the Jets? Are there other examples of throwing money at a roster construction and it failing miserably? Let's go out to Chris in Colorado. Chris, you're on with Amber and Courtney. What you got? Yeah, no, I was thinking about the uh, Lakers super team where they had Gary Payton and Carl Malone added to Shaq and Kobe, and they thought they were going to just run the table, and the chemistry just didn't work. And it just didn't work out. 
It was like that's, 2004, 5, around there. Yeah, the 03, yeah. 04 team. Yeah, I mean, that's a good nomination, Courtney. The thing is, and I know some people would also nominate that 2011 Miami Heat team as part of that conversation. For me, it's hard when we're just talking about like one year, but then the core does work out otherwise in terms of championships. Like, it, you know, the Shaq-Kobe thing works sure. out for the, for the Lakers, right? The Miami Heat thing, like, it worked out for the Miami Heat, just not that first season when that big three came together. So I don't know if I think of those as colossal failures in the same way that some of these other teams have looked like failures like the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, the Eagles' dream team, I believe that was a 2011 season. That's a nominee on a lot of people's list. Uh, I think back to, you know, not too long ago, I think you mentioned it, the Brooklyn Nets, the not just – there's like the Brooklyn Nets with Paul Pierce and KG and then the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Ben Simmons for a time, and of course Kevin Durant. They tried to make their own core there. And it's just like the Brooklyn could, Nets, period. Yeah, like, like the entire – The entire franchise. <laughs> the entire the franchise. franchise. Like real quick, do you think this should be a warning to the to the Jets given all that they went – after to go get Aaron Rodgers? Uh, well, listen, I don't know if it's a warning to the Jets, but I think it's a warning to all the people that are putting their money on the Jets to win the Super Bowl. It's not that simple, right? And that's the reality of the situation. So if you're the Jets, you're still taking this risk by bringing in Aaron Rodgers on a couple-year rental deal to see if you can get a Super Bowl done, but it's also not necessarily going to result in an actual ring. And if it doesn't, Courtney, it's going to cost a lot of people their jobs. Yes, it will. Very much so with the head coach and the general manager being first and foremost on that list. Straight ahead. Speaking of teams who have not won, the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones, is he sabotaging this team's chances because he won't pay for their top offensive linemen? We get into that next year on ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. More next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 